Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic, and disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. Please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org. On today's Movie Talk, we've got your weekend box office recap, and we're also giving you a review of the upcoming movie, Frozen 2, and then on top of that, the release, the Snyder Cut campaign, just got a big boost from the stars of the film. We're going to discuss it today on the show. Good morning, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I am your host, Perry Nemroff, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Emma and Angelique. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for having us here. I'm sure our mics are not picking this up, but like somebody is full on mowing the lawn or something is happening behind us. I didn't even know there was a lawn on the other side of the morning. It's got to get done. It's quite a way to wake up. Yes. (laughs) I would ask you how your weekend was, but I had the pleasure of seeing you working really hard at university. I know. A little bit. I saw you both days this weekend, actually, because I oh saw you God. at Frozen on Saturday morning. I feel like so Cecily much uninvited. I was at Frozen, and I didn't see either one of you. I feel like it's like if you're up in the balcony or you're down below, like you don't ever interact with the other half of the and, audience. And where did you sit? I was in the balcony. Okay, we were in the balcony. This is ruined my whole thing. We missed you, and I'm sad to have missed you. How was your weekend, though? It was lovely. It you know it was a big movie weekend, so it was kind of excited it was it was that's why i'm kind of excited to get into the box office a little excited we had a couple of uh rough weekends the past few weekends which to be completely honest it bummed me out a bit but we had one movie kind of pop at the box office this time yeah. around number one on the list this weekend was ford v ferrari with 31 million dollars then it was actually midway at number two with 8.75 million followed by yeah not so uh, great of an opening for charlie's angels 8.6 million dollars playing with fire held strong with 8.55 million and then finally it was last christmas at number five with 6.7 million you guys look at the numbers this time around what caught your eye the most well it's it's a lovely surprise i think in some ways that ford v ferrari did as well as it did because you you look at that and what was it 31 million 31 million dollars i mean and again this movie has been getting a lot of oscar buzz it's been getting very very good reviews we were having a little discussion before the show about how it almost feels like it harkens back to the live action disney films of the 50s and 60s you know the, the i mean parent trap is not the right one that i want to use as a comparison there's something better than that but you 
you know, you know yeah. the type of movie I'm talking about. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, but still, I am a little pleasantly surprised to see this movie doing as well as it did at the box office. It's just nice to see anything at this point yeah, exactly. yes. exceed expectations. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I think the numbers were a little lower than that $31 million going into the weekend. So, so to see finally something top that... I'm all for it. Yeah. I think there was like a slight underestimation of like NASCAR audiences, IndyCar audiences. Yeah. People that go out and spend money on racing and know a lot about these guys. You know, I'm sure they were first in line. And also, it helped that it was a really good movie. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. overwhelmingly, everyone that saw it, we all thought, that was a really nice time. Good yeah. movie, Oscar buzz, and now it's also got the A-plus cinema score, and that is something that I think is going to come into play big time, powering it through the next couple of weekends, because, yeah, we do have Frozen 2 opening up this weekend, and that's going to gobble up a lot of the box office, Yes, but <laughs> it's not so much of a crossover with the audience of Ford v. Ferrari, yeah. and then you add in the fact that with that Oscar buzz, you're going to have increasing urgency to see this, because... I really do think that this one could be in the mix for Best Picture, especially if those box office numbers hold and people are still super enthusiastic about it. It, it, I think this one has legs. I really do. I think that this is one that we're going to continue to see for a significant amount of time. I mean, I don't think anybody expected Midway to be number two again. So, you know, that 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 shows who's going to the that shows who's going to the movies right now. I'm, I'm always happy to see something do well, like especially something that was very well like like Ford v Ferrari and also Midway. I believe Midway had the A cinema score, so opening day audiences clearly very much enjoyed it. The thing that we do have to factor in with both movies, though, just to really put everything into perspective, is yes, they are doing well right now. They both came with pretty significant production price tags. So in order for them to actually turn a profit, they still have a little ways to go, but it is nice seeing money being spent after, you know, movies like Terminator Dark Fate and Doctor Sleep were hugely disappointing. And sadly, we can't get away from that conversation this weekend because, oh, Charlie's Angels. I'm really mad at everyone. Let me just say, I'm sorry. I'm I'm mad at everyone for not going to go see this movie that I loved. Um, Charlie's Angels is one of those franchises that, you know, it it has this nostalgia factor that we all love. The TV show, the 2000 series, I think this was a great addition to that, the way that they furthered this story. Um, Elizabeth Banks did a fantastic job with this film. Kristen Stewart is hilarious. So maybe just, you know, take a little time this weekend to go see it anyway when you don't want to, you know, deal with the Frozen children traffic. See, that is the thing that I worry about because Frozen, I think, is something that could cut into Charlie's Angels box office a little bit. I totally agree. With the opening being so, so low. And, you know, if I'm going to bring CinemaScore back to the conversation, you know, a B is still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But a B can't compete with an A plus like Ford v. Ferrari. And I do have a feeling Frozen 2 is going to score very high as well. So this one might be in even more trouble going forward, if that's yeah. even possible I at this know. point. Yeah, it is. It's, it's this sort of frustrating thing that's happening because I feel like after I saw Terminator Dark Fate, I thought you know what, I think this movie might just like take a little while. And I think that there is a world wherein it becomes sort of a cult classic. And I think that unfortunately looking at, as you say, Perry, it's now going to be competing with Frozen 2. You're definitely going to have an audience crossover there. Mm -hmm. That might be the best that Charlie's Angels can hope for as well. And And it's certainly not 
suffering from the exact same syndrome as Terminator Dark Fate because with Terminator what was happening was we'd been promised so many times hey it's going to be better this time and also with Terminator every time they made a sequel they're like okay well that last sequel doesn't exist okay so it's one (laughs) two and then Salvation okay no 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 no. it's one two and then Genesis you know what I mean yeah that kind of revisionist history gets confusing it does it gets confusing and also we're now told okay well when we go see this is this going to just also not count in another two to 20 years time? Now, Charlie's Angels, you don't have quite the same gap in time in terms of making another sequel. However, it does suffer from the first Charlie's Angels was really, really fun. Second one, not quite as well reviewed. So I think there was a little bit of a well, why are we doing more Charlie's Angels? Is this even relevant anymore? I actually think we're far enough removed from that second yeah. film that that's not as much of an issue. Sure. I think it's more of a conversation of, you know, just kind of like gauging the temperature of the room and realizing that maybe moviegoers are sick of these reboots. Maybe they don't want the same thing I, I, That's what I got on my social media. was just constant, like, why are we rebooting it? And I was like trying to defend the film. I was like, well, it's not really a reboot. It's a continuation. Yeah. But even still, that's not how average audiences so, are seeing so it. So I think this is an interesting conversation then and, and one that I'd be curious to get your opinions on. Do you think, because I think that their thought process behind this was let's make a Charlie's Angels film because built-in audience studios don't often take risks anymore on original stories. So we're giving it the Charlie's Angels name in hopes that we're going to attract an audience, do you think you might have actually attracted more of an audience if it was just a female action film? I am very much starting to think that that yeah. might be the case. Yeah. The other really interesting thing about this conversation is is figuring out what's more valuable, direct sequels or these reboots. Because yeah. when you look at the recent failures, mm-hmm. yeah, Terminator, uh, Terminator Dark Fate retconned that franchise. Then mm-hmm. you have Doctor Sleep, which was so far removed from The Shining. The Shining. And it, it was a reboot of a source with sorts with the way that it married the shining the book with the shining the movie so that was an interesting little case there and it just seems like the only continuations of franchises that are actually doing fairly well and it's not the case across the board by any means are movies that are you know a sequel coming two years after or less than two years after the previous film i mean because with with what's going on with terminator and and as you say to some extent dr sleep it would be like like with the Star Wars sequels, like if J.J. Abrams had come in and been like, the prequels don't count or, oh, or whatever, you know, like, yeah. but it's true because you look at something like that. And as you say, it is a direct continuation. It's taken the good and the bad and saying, you know what, we're here and we're just going to keep doing this. I understand any executive out there who looks at a brand name and sees value in it. But mm-hmm. I think we need to reassess that value. I think just slapping that name on a new movie is doing the tricks a good another good example of that this year is child's play yeah i think if you had retitled child's play anything and didn't make that ai doll look like chucky you could have had a bigger winner on your hands Mm -hmm. but they were banking and i get it i really get why that's the path your mind goes down they were banking on the child's play name yeah it it makes it it, at least we thought it made good financial sense and and now (laughs) it seems like like you said it, it probably doesn't and it's kind of a disappointment though especially with the charlie's angels because they did do so much to bring it into 2019. Um, and really, it was a surprise to me just how um, progressive the show was from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You, I, I oh, really yeah. thought, kind of always thought, I was like, oh, no, something about you know that 60s version is going to feel kind of dated. And I was like, actually, the way that this whole situation was set up is not bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's a it's a bummer to see that happen, especially when it's actually an enjoyable. I think that's the thing that's disappointing yes. me most. I know not everybody shares these same opinions, but I like Dark Fate. I like Dr. Sleep. Yeah. I like Charlie's, uh, shockingly, I like Charlie's Angels. Right. I have been saying that that movie was going to be a quality disaster for so, so long. And then I was pleasantly surprised. And then these movies don't make any money. I wonder if that's part of it, too, because I also was very surprised at Charlie's Angels. I wanted to like it. I, you know, I wanted to support it. But I was shocked at how fun yeah, it was. I, uh, I, I, again, had sort of a similar attitude, I feel like, where... I love Kristen Stewart. I really do. I really believe in her. It's the same way like I really believe in Robert Pattinson. And I'm so <laughs> glad that they both are like having these refreshed careers post Twilight. Um, and uh, I just am thinking of Kristen Stewart on that amazing um, Duolingo for talking to children sketch from Saturday Night Live, which you have not seen. I highly it's recommend incredible. just to give you an idea of how absolutely hysterical she is. But yeah, I but I think there is a little bit of a of a silver lining to this conversation, uh, which is oh, give that to me. Maybe, <laughs> which is maybe studios will look at something like this, look at something like Charlie's Angels, which, as you say, it has a B cinema score. It is pretty good. It it it's the general consensus is you know what this movie's fun. It's worth seeing. Maybe studios will go, huh. Turns out it was the trying to reboot it. It was the trying to do a remake or rest on the laurels of a type of an existing franchise, what have you, rather than creating original stories that's becoming off-putting to people and maybe we'll get more original content. I would love it if that was the lesson learned from all this. But the other thing we do have to factor in right now is the launch of Disney Plus. Oh, yes. You know, just how Disney is dominating the box office. It's undeniable this year. Do you think that the release of Disney Plus did make a dent in this weekend's box office? I think it very well could have. I I think more people than anyone, (laughs) more people, I'm sure you guys know, we're just tweeting and and mm-hmm. Instagramming all about what they were watching all week and weekend long. So, yeah, it's also cold outside. People are not leaving their homes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have an even better reason to not leave your home because you have this platform right. that right. has everything that you've ever loved from your childhood on to be able to sit there and binge watch. We mm-hmm. already have seen just how VOD platforms and streaming services have already kind of put that dent in the box office in general. But I think this is like the mega one. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the biggest behemoth that we've come up against since the beginning of Netflix. Yeah. yeah. And there is also the the conversation that you know we were having a little bit of earlier where people who are in sort of the the film punditry and criticism world are often invited to screenings of these films and how often do we really go out and re-see something that we've gotten to go see a screening of. And I think that some of it is that a movie has to be like really really good or or offer some kind of really Uh, unique, beneficial theater experience Mm -hmm. that you're like, if I watch this in my house, not going to be the same. But when you look at the sheer number of streaming services that we have, and Disney Plus is a behemoth because, again, suddenly we have access to all of these titles that we have not had access to for a very long time, certainly not digitally anyway, uh, or in a way that was very easy to get to. Um, If you see a movie in the movie theater, you think to yourself, well... I don't need to see it again because in, you know, 
three to six months time, it's probably just going to be on one of the many streaming services that I am already subscribed to. So I think that is part of the conversation as well. Yeah, it's very difficult to assess weekend one and what that means long term. But it's no doubt going to be a very interesting conversation over the next couple of months, the next couple of years, because we are going to see the long term impact of not just Disney Plus, but all of the streaming services on the box office soon enough. But we do have to hit one, especially bright spot in the box office right now and that's joker it has officially crossed the one billion dollar mark which is really it's incredible and i applaud it so so much this makes it the fourth dc comics adaptation to do so the seventh release of 2019 to do so and the first ever r-rated movie to top one billion dollars i i applaud it all day long i i think that uh when you look at, especially what we were talking about earlier, what they spent on that movie, and yes, I know you have a reliable brand in DC, a familiar character name in the Joker, but when you look at the risk that they took in with that movie and how well it paid off, I applaud you, and I hope every studio out there looks at this success and says, hmm, maybe we should try something a little different. Yeah, and, and I mean, like you said, it's worked. And they did. They really took a big gamble and tried something as drastically different as they could have from the way that we've seen the Joker portrayed before. And I, 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 I'm not surprised at all, actually. After those first like box office returns came in, I think everyone saw, okay, there is no um, real fear of this movie. People really are interested in what this is going to be and, and getting to see just this, this whole new interpretation of this. I wonder if that's what it is. I wonder if all of these other sort of re boots, long-term continuations aren't taking enough risks. You know what I mean? Like, because if, say, something like uh, Charlie's Angels had done something wherein you're like, man, that is not what I expected out of a Charlie's Angels film then maybe more people would be like, hmm, I gotta go see what that's about. I feel like this is the easy route out and only because the Joker is on my mind right now, but it's like if it was not just typical Charlie's Angels, but rather Charlie's Angels meets a John Wick style, maybe that would have been something super different and very intense or far more intense than what we've seen before. Well, it's kind of like a great idea. Do you remember? Do you remember? This is going to be a weird uh, uh, left turn. Years ago, uh, there was this Power Rangers like short release yes. mm-hmm. that Katie yes. Sackhoff was mm-hmm. in yes. that was very, very serious. And I went, oh, I would I, watch a whole movie of this. That was no the, uh, the Adi Shankar short. Yes. I, I quite enjoyed that. But that's what I'm saying is that I think, and, and people were generally very, very positive towards that. So maybe that is the key is like taking these known characters, yeah. these known sort of basic story premises and and making them something totally unexpected. I would be very open to that or at least seeing how that would pan out yeah. from now on. Internet, yeah. we ask you to please <laughs> take charge of this. Please, please do. Right now we're going to move on to a movie talk movie review right now because the three of us were lucky enough to see Frozen 2 this weekend. Of course, this one continues the story of Anna and Elsa and and this time around, it focus, focuses a little bit on uh, their history and their parents, maybe the source of uh, Elsa's powers, and they go on an adventure to a new area. And uh, yeah, I'll just tell you right up top here, I loved it. And <laughs> there are some new songs in this movie that you are not going to be able to shake. How did you guys feel about Frozen 2? Did it keep the bar as high as the first film? 
It for me surpassed the first film, which I think I'm I'm going to be in a small minority. I, mm-hmm. I do think there are people like there was a, a sweet little girl that I saw after that was like I like the first one better because I think oh. this one is a little darker. This one is oh, a little it's a little definitely tougher a little darker for the, for the little ones. So that's my one disclaimer. But um, I, I I loved this one. I think I just connected to this story more. This story of finding yourself and and trying to figure out you know who you are I thought was really powerful yeah I'm getting emotional thinking about (laughs) um one particular moment in the film that I am not going to spoil do not listen to the soundtrack uh I would never ever say that but if you can experience this one moment because it's in a song on the screen for the first time I I cannot recommend it enough um for me where this film surpassed the first one is it was so much more of a focus on the relationship between the sisters. Mm-hmm. I think that the first movie and I and I love the first Frozen mm-hmm. movie. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> I love Frozen. I am a cheap date. Um <laughs> I uh is there is a little bit of a muddy water though of is this a love story? Is this a story between sisters? Ultimately it yeah. comes back around to it being about the sisters. This movie is really, really about them. Uh, somebody had tweeted at me after I had said, oh, man, I really liked it. You know, I have some very, very minor criticisms. But the third act of this movie is so, mm-hmm. so, so strong yeah, that it it made my criticisms like very, very, very minor. Uh, and their big question was, does Elsa get more screen time? Because they felt like she didn't get enough screen time in the first film, even though it was <laughs> sort of... Yeah, I mean, Anna did get a little more of the... Yeah, yeah. Um, but... but She I, was, like, the anchor. Like, yeah. I feel like she's the one who they kind of leaned more heavily on to yeah. introduce us totally. to this whole world. She was the right. full protagonist of the first one. Exactly, sure. whereas, I mean, I will say, Elsa gets a lot, a lot of screen time in mm-hmm. this, and they do really, really right by her, and uh, it, it was so great. The new songs are really fantastic. I mean, and I know we've all heard that I didn't think it was possible to get another Let It Go, but I did not stop whistling because I can't Mm -hmm. sing for my life. (laughs) I did not stop whistling. And it was the same effect that that same song had on me at D23 and all over again. And there's no doubt that I'm going to be listening to that song in particular, amongst many others, but that one was the favorite in in my free time. I will say that, and I'm like, I don't know, I I think it's, it's the lights. I'm not crying right now everyone but um every time Adina Menzel opened her her mouth well mm-hmm. really Elsa's mouth in yeah. this in this film I sucked <laughs> like I, it was it was the kind of ugly cry that I did not expect to have at 10 a.m on a Saturday yeah. morning but all of a sudden I was just losing yeah. it and I was like why am I so emotional with this film I think it really will especially for adult audiences it it yes. has something for us this time that'll really grab you i feel like there was a tissue swap happening next to me right? <laughs> so i was sitting between perry and wendy and i i had moved my tissue this is funny story. so i had switched into a different bag for the mandalorian premiere last wednesday and i left my tissues in that bag because i don't know maybe i was gonna get emotional about something in the mandalorian i like to be prepared but i did not put my tissues back into my bag that I took to Frozen, but fortunately Wendy had tissues because I was so- like I cried from like the twenty minutes out <laughs> to the end of the movie mark to the you very did. end the entire time. Uh, I I'm with you. There's just I I, I still yeah. to this day like get emotional when I think about the song Let It Go. Uh, and Elsa's got like two songs like yep. that in yeah. this movie, uh, <laughs> and it just. 
It's waterworks. There were a couple of very emotional moments in this. I mean, even in the first one, even though yes. I do think that Anna was more the lead than yeah. Allison, it was obviously a, a heavily romantic storyline. It's always been the sister stuff mm-hmm. that really has, has gotten to me, probably because I have a sister. But <sighs> going from that first film and seeing how their journey matures in this mm-hmm. and how it's still kind of, it's like the first movie passes the baton to this one with certain themes and ideas. But when you realize how the two of them need to mature in different ways in that mo- in this movie in particular it's it really does give it a, a light fun adventure that I think kids are still going to be able to enjoy yes. but if you have relationships similar to this in your life it gives you something so so like like heavy and yeah. moving to hold mm-hmm. on to so I might have teared up a couple of times <laughs> as well particularly when Elsa did any song and Anna has one in particular oh, that, that almost broke me such a good Good ballad in this also, movie. Also, Jonathan Groff as Kristoff has oh, one of the I best. There, there's a song <laughs> that I would I would agree with you. Do not listen yes. to that song until you see it play yes. out with the visuals in the movie. And actually, speaking of all the songs briefly and the creators behind Frozen, mm-hmm. big applause for the writing in this movie. Yes. I think the dialogue really is brilliant good. throughout. Yeah. But in particular, I think part of the reason why these songs stick with us and and have so much weight to them isn't just because they're catchy tunes sung by incredibly talented mm-hmm. individuals but it's because of the deep meanings mm-hmm. in literally yeah. every lyric in them that's why you carry it with you that's why you think about it as you sing it and pretty much every single song has that quality here also Josh Gad as Olaf like I know what winds up happening with Olaf you see him the first time the kids love Olaf they got those toys that you yeah, squeeze him and he yeah. says the same lines over and over and he gets a little annoying Olaf is one of the most brilliant animated comedy I characters I've seen I maybe over the course of my entire life, I thought he was great in the first one. The yeah. way they up the Olaf humor in this, brilliant for Josh Gad's comedic style, but mm-hmm. also they play with it so well visually that it never gets old. Yeah, no, the yeah. visuals in general in this movie are Stunning. unbelievable. Stunning. And I and it's interesting because Olaf could be so irritating, yeah. mm-hmm. and they managed to not cross over that line. He really is endearing. There's a lot of heart to this character. He's just kind of this dummy, and you can't help but love him, even when he's doing stupid things that are irritating <laughs> he's you. He's not really a dummy, though. He says certain, know. He says he says, certain yeah. things in this movie that yes. even as, even as a, like a grown-up, I still... St- I mean, they're, they're such like simple human yes, truths that, exactly yeah. that, that nobody that's our age ever really verbalizes, so to have it said to you in a movie, it, there's yeah. something about that that really gets in your head. And yeah. I appreciate that they let him, they let him be annoying to the other characters. Like, they, they lean into that fact that sometimes yes. you're like, okay, Olaf, sit down. I, yeah, and I think that that's what it is. I think it's because the other characters are actively acknowledging the fact that he's kind of getting on their nerves that we all are on board with it. And then in those moments where, as you say, he is really deep, Perry, mm-hmm. and, he, and he has these really like simple, beautiful observations about humanity and life mm-hmm. that we really listen. And yeah. It's a brilliant performance. I've got to say, I'm so glad you brought him up because yeah. I just think like, you know, Josh has done so much for these films and always says that, or he was the one who said like these tunes were going to be catchier than the rest of them. I, I think there's some serious credit that needs to be given to mm-hmm. his performance mm-hmm. here. It is 
really special. I do have to point out one slight criticism I have that could be cleared up on mm. multiple viewings is, and it's difficult to discuss this without getting into spoilers, right. but there are complications that arise in terms of their world and what's going on. Yes. And I wasn't entirely piecing it all together. There were also a couple of new names that are thrown mm-hmm. out that it was bothering me that I couldn't retain those names at the end of it. And sure. I did walk out with a couple of questions like, why would you do that in order to get here kind yeah. of thing? Mm-hmm. And I do think that's something that could be cleared up when I sit with the story a little more and I get to re-experience it. But yeah. hey, uh, that's just something that I walked away wondering a little more about. Yeah, I think that my my the criticisms I have of it are sort of in line with that. And it's specifically in regards to some stuff with the parents who, I mean, we slight spoilers. We spend a lot more time with the, there's a lot of flashbacks in this movie. Um, But uh, uh, however, like I said, I I think that there is a level of me looking at this with my adult brain, which is great that, that the movie allows for that because there is something as an adult in this to like Mm -hmm. really, really connect to uh, outside of just like the individual journeys of the characters maturing, which is so relatable as an adult. Um, But that, but then I have to like take a step back and look at like, Olaf dancing around and like pulling his arms out of his body and go, oh, this is a kid's movie. I need to like look at this with a kid brain. It is a nice balance of all yeah. of this. But it does get a little confusing. There yeah. are definitely some things yeah. that are a little like, especially if I was a kid, I would be like, I have no idea what's going on now. Who's doing what? But I, the question is, as a kid, do you care? Do you care? Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes the answer might be no. And yeah. Just because the world is so colorful and like, mesmerizing and appealing and these characters are so lovable and and the family they form yes. the, the love that they have for each other is so infectious that it's difficult to pull yourself away from that in order to start like yeah. picking apart yeah. all of that stuff but you know it is a it is a story concern that is there but sure. overall i will highly recommend everybody go to see frozen 2 whether you have kids or you don't i think that that really is one of the the biggest things that i have to commend both disney animation and pick are for is just how incredible they are at making movies that can make a really good impression on the youngest moviegoers out there while still having yeah. great value for the parents, the old, older siblings, you name it, that take them to see this movie. And when you can appeal to a four-quadrant audience like yeah. that, you hit something special. Yeah. You, hit, you hit something like deeply human. I think if you are uh, an adult who has ever felt like you are like different or alone, like the, you, mm-hmm. you so will love... Yeah, so <laughs> Uh, you will love this movie. I, it's just really good. Thumbs up across the uh, across the table uh, here. Across the I table had a feeling. <laughs> All right, guys. Now is the time when we get to share some information on the cool content coming your way on Collider Video. Like all this stuff. Here's a promo. Hey everyone, John Roca here, the host of Collider Sports Time. Well, you know, if you've been watching us every week, you know we break down the latest and the greatest in the world of sports, talk about the big issues, the big games, all of it with a rotating band of guests like Matt Nose and Josh McCuga. We've had Taylor Vashadi on. We've had so many great guests. Now, if you want to see more of Sports Time or you want to try it out for the first time, remember to subscribe to Collider Sports YouTube channel for all the sports goodness. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of Two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, Rule of Two is 
is that show. It drops in on Collider Video's main YouTube channel, as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. Before we move on to our final topic of the day, I have something cool to tell you guys. So I briefly teased this last week. I'm leaving for the rest of the week, and John Roca is going to be your host Tuesday through Friday, but it's because I'm going somewhere super cool. I am going to Cabo for the Jumanji sequel junket, and I'm so excited for a whole bunch of reasons. A cool location, but we also get to do cool things and talk to cool people there. <laughs> I'm going to move my, my coffee out of the way for this because I'm going to... This, this might be an unbagging disaster right now, but they just sent this bag over, and it's got like a cool Jumanji emblem there, and we got some fun stuff in it. Or at least I think we did first. <laughs> okay, so first I think we have a graphic so you guys can actually see this, so... This is just like a little, like a preview of what we're going to do. And if you look at level five, level (laughs) five says jump. Oh my God. This is amazing. The greatest thing about November 2019 (laughs) for me Uh, is that I am going to tick two major bucket list items off of my list. And it was running a marathon, which I just did. And because of this junket, I am going bungee jumping. This is so exciting. This looks like it is from a Sega Genesis game from 1991. And I'm so happy. Obsessed with it. This is going to be amazing. We got like a couple other things. We got some, some tools to take it's this is like your survival kit so they're Ooh, encouraging okay. us to take this on our like outdoor adventure day I which is bungee it. jumping Ooh. and i believe we're going on atvs as well oh my gosh. something for the video game right here Ooh. Like, you would be interested yes in i would <laughs> what else and we've got oh, man. a bag tag so Important. this is a usb drive in a like potion bottle that is so that's awesome very cool so i am all set with my survival kit you can bet i will be sharing lots on uh, instagram and twitter and everything especially of bungee jumping amazing and we will be having fomo and exceptionally jealous of you i am freaking out about bungee jumping i'm so excited i've been skydiving twice and i've always said i really want to go bungee jumping but i can't do it unless i have a good reason because right, yeah, right. as much as i love long island new york i went skydiving over over, you know, Suffolk County twice. It's right. only going to be so picturesque. Yeah, going yeah. bungee jumping in Cabo is like a freaking dream come true. So awesome. I'm so pumped. I'm also so pumped to see the movie because I really had a blast with that first one. And obviously the original has a major place in my heart. Of course. All right. Let's get into this third topic. Now, I know you all want to hear about our thoughts on this one. It is the current situation with the release of the Snyder Cut campaign. So basically what happened is... This has been a hot topic of conversation for quite a while right now, ever since uh, Justice League first hit theaters, and there's kind of been a recent uptick in the push to release the Snyder Cut because recently stars from Justice League have come out in support of it. Gal Gadot, we have uh, Ben Affleck, Ray Fisher. There's there's a lot of talk about this right now. You got Zack Snyder retweeting stuff. So <laughs> the big question is, is this going to do anything? Are we actually going to get the Snyder Cut because of it? THR did run a recent article, and they're saying that no Snyder Cut announcement is imminent, but... I don't know. Even though that might be the official word that they got us from a source for now, 
I think releasing the Snyder Cut on HBO Max would be an absolutely genius move, and any Warner Brothers exec should be taking it seriously, and I would also find it extremely strange if all the stars came out in support of this and it didn't happen, but that's just me. I place my bets here. No, yep. it seems it seems like there's something happening if we're now getting the people that are involved to actively go for it and actively say this. And the fact that Zack Snyder has actually gotten into this conversation now over the last couple of days, I think is a good indicator that there's something brewing. Yeah, I, I'm on the HBO Max train 100%. Mm-hmm. That was exactly what I was going to bring up because if you know you're looking at the streaming wars that are currently going on. Obviously, HBO has got a lot of banger series that people are are signing up for. You got your Game of Thrones that people might want to rewatch. Ending, whatever you thought of the ending aside, uh, things like Barry and Euphoria. There's like HBO has so much great content. And Succession. I'm, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited that people might start watching some of the really great shows that are on Cinemax with HBO Max. If you guys have not watched Warrior or Banshee, <laughs> they are so freaking good. Uh, and then I think Josh McCougar was a big fan of The Nick, which is another Cinemax series. Like there's really great content there, but they don't have that hook like a Disney Plus does. Like, here's everything from your childhood and a new Star Wars show. (laughs) This, to me, feels like it could be a Obi-Wan situation of there were all those conversations Mm. going on around it for so long. And and of course, Disney and all involved parties already knew that that was going to ultimately be a Disney Plus series. I feel like this is secretly already in the works. So, correct me if I'm wrong, all three of us think that it should happen, that they should release I, the Snyder Cut. I think that yes, one way or another, even even though I personally don't care, <laughs> I just want people to stop talking about it. Admittedly, I didn't care for a while, Same. and now I kind of do, me because I, I think when, you know, like, my peers on film Twitter yeah. are talking about it so much, there's something about it that seeps in, and the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, if so many people out there want it, and if the creatives yeah. are okay with it, give it give it to me. Now I'm curious. Well, I mean, it, it's this bigger conversation that's going on now about, like, the distribution of art mm-hmm. uh, via, be it uh, physical mediums or or digital streaming medium, uh, it's that whole idea of taking a piece of art that has already existed and constantly revising it. Um, I know I keep coming back to Star Wars, but this is something that we've seen with Star Wars quite mm-hmm. a lot. Of it keeps getting redone. That one, the the Han shot first scene has been re-edited, I think, sixty five times at this point. <laughs> um, but why not put it all out there? Yeah, I, I like the idea of it being in some way like an alternative vision. I think what I I think the reason why I was not for it at first was because it was like this is the movie that we got, like it or not. Sure, I don't love the idea of like pitting them against each other, and I felt like that's kind of what fans were doing at and, first. And I agree with but you on that. If, if the creatives behind it are all for this, I, I think we should see it. I, I'm all for the idea of have it letting content creators get to put out the content that they created. And there's there's so much red tape involved in getting a movie distributed, and so many 
notes from the studio <laughs> and things like we, we all know that, especially recently we've seen how that affects what a creator gets to do. But I'm like, okay, if you guys really think you have something special here that we should get to see, I'm so a lot more curious to like hear like what Joss Whedon has to say about sure. it. Well, I mean, that's that's my next question. Yeah. What are the potential cons to releasing it? What could be the things uh, holding them back from actually going forward with this? And I think one might be, you know, I, I don't know how Josh Whedon would, Josh Whedon would feel sure. about it, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I might suspect that, hey, it, it doesn't feel good when there's a demand for a different cut. I don't know. Maybe they're concerned about their relationship with him. Do you see any, like, really big negatives for them to go forward with this that could, you know, hurt them and maybe their relationship with certain filmmakers? I mean, ultimately, if you are, it, it's that double-edged sword of, yeah, I think that if, if, if all parties are on board, let's, let's just put all art out there and and then people can consume whatever they want to consume and then they like it. But just be and like, you know, whichever version resonates more with them, mm-hmm. shall we say. The issue is because that has not necessarily been common practice, you get into the territory of if they put this out there, then it's is then to us from a certain point of view, you could say that Warner is saying, well, this version doesn't count or we don't respect this version. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's murky water. I think you're saying about, like, setting a precedent. Like, they're kind of scared to be, like... You also don't want to be, like, too reactive to fans either. Like, yes. There, there is such thing as too much fan service because they're... I don't... I, yeah, I, I, I get. I think I get what you're trying to say. I feel yeah. like the fact, though, that if if the narrative <laughs> plays out as we're discussing it, and you release the Snyder Cut on HBO Max, personally, I feel like there's enough of a divide between streaming and theatrical that that wouldn't necessarily be the biggest issue. And also, I mean, again, this is just something that's the way that I've kind of compartmentalized this type of story in my mind, but. These kinds of alternate cuts feel so specific to Zack Snyder to me that (laughs) I mean, that is not wrong. This is just the norm and I've been okay with it in the past. So why not do it again? Yeah, I I think it is. It's more about not wanting to send mixed messages, I think, on the part of Warner than it is. So because, again, like I'm totally in the same boat as you of well, this was what was released theatrically and this is what came out. This is what we have on HBO Max now and you can still get what was released theatrically. It's like Blade Runner. There's there's a thousand different revisions of Blade Runner, but you can get all of them. And I'll and never think, yeah. forget that. So I watched one version of Blade Runner so many times and I wasn't into it and I didn't finish it. And it was because John Schnepp told me to watch the final cut, I believe uh-huh. it's called. Oh. That's, that's what changed the game yeah, for me. That's, so it's like, my favorite too. Um, when I think about that experience I had with Blade Runner and how that finally opened the door yeah. to that Did you watch mm-hmm. like the theatrical where there's the weird the voiceover? a couple mm-hmm. of times, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I never fully got through it. But then I saw, not only did I get through the final cut, but I really liked it. And yep. that's, that's when I could first start to feel what yeah. others right. feel when they talk about their love for Blade Runner. And, you know, if an alternate cut of a movie can potentially do that for somebody, I'm, yeah, sometimes I think, I think yeah. and I know it's, it's like a gray area, but sometimes you got to put 
ego aside and just let those versions exist. Yeah. And I know there's, of course, lots of money involved in, in getting this final cut completely together, um, but there could stand to be a ton of money made. I mean, I think there was, there was some, on Warner's end, there's some fear of, you know, re-releasing something theatrically because the first one underperformed. Yes. But, and then it's a question of how does it, releasing it on streaming kind of offset that cost mm-hmm. of making sure this cut is good? Yeah. I don't and, know. And I think that as soon as we, if we get into a territory of Warner doing a wide theatrical release of this cut, then it's a different conversation. But so long as it is what the internet is theorizing that it's going to be an HBO Max release, I think we're in, I think we're in okay territory. I really do think that the theatrical release is never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. if, if anything, if they release it on HBO Max, it would be a very, very limited, like one time only engagement. Sure. Especially because, you know, it's been two years since Justice League mm-hmm. has hit theaters. And I think that the DC film franchise has taken some major steps forward since then. And I just don't think it would serve them well to do a traditional wide release yeah. for a different cut of these characters that are going down different paths at this point. Absolutely. So I think what could make everybody or almost everybody the happiest is release the Snyder Cut, release it on HBO Max. I really do think that if they do that also, there is... And I, I know Part of the conversation out there has been, well, in the grand scheme of things, it's only this many people that want the, the Snyder Cut. I actually think that might not be the case. Yeah. I think the noise is loud enough, and I think the ripple effect is going to mm-hmm. be loud enough that you're going to get a lot of people to sign up for your streaming services for one piece of content. Mm-hmm. They're going to yeah. want this not to miss like this, said, and then they could uh-huh. explore other content through that And commitment. that is how streaming services count their numbers. Exactly. So yep. it really would be a brilliant move. Because, uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. I I am a big voice for negativity is often uh, a few people in an echo chamber. I, I think this is a little different. It's also not, I, it's not negativity really. Yeah. I mean, or at least most, most of the ways that I've seen it yeah. expressed, you know, anybody could take anything and put a negative spin on it. But this just seems like, you know, Folks who are fan, uh, yeah. fans of Zack Snyder and are aware of what went down behind the scenes just want to see the alt version. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of, I'm, I'm all I for do. it now. I <laughs> do more than ever. All right. I'm convinced. We yep. just want to save a little bit of time for your live chat questions. And let's grab oh a couple little comments here. Uh, Meteor wants to know, what if the Snyder Cut is just the Justice League movie in black and white? That's never going to happen. <laughs> no. Never that would gonna, be amazing. That would, that would be like a, a, a like almost a disturbing piece of trolling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's that never going to happen. Unbelievable trolling. And uh, Erica Frederick is saying maybe we should get the Lord and Miller version of Solo to LOL. Just, <laughs> just a fine way to divide people and cause more problems and fat. That, yeah. If if I could yes. pick my original cut that I would do anything mm-hmm. to see, mm-hmm. and granted, I don't think it would be a finished uh, film at this right. point, I would really want to see, or at least just get a taste of what their version of Solo. Yeah, I would like. be curious too. But I, but I also think that that you know that that person's point is in the chat is correct that you do stand the possibility of being divisive yeah we don't want to con- I, I don't think we should have this to compare it i think yeah. we should have this as and and of course people can't do that for the most part but <laughs> what you want is you want to be able to just see these two pieces of art and see the the ideas that he had because we saw part of it but we didn't get to see the whole finished vision yeah 
Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's grab one more question and let's get one that gives Charlie's Angels a little love. Luke Nelson Yay. is asking us, what big franchise would you like to see Kristen Stewart tackle next? Oof. Maybe she could take a role in the MCU's rebooted X-Men. Oh, man. I hmm. I don't think she... I, I Again, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but yeah. I suspect she might not want to do something like that. Unless maybe yes. it's, you know, a Joaquin Phoenix Joker kind yeah. of situation. Because, yeah. you know, I've said it before. I think she's got acting chops for days. Yeah. I think she's I'm willing to give her just about any project at this yeah. point. But I think she's going to want like a super meaty role that she could really to, sink her teeth into. I want her to be like the new Felix Leiter in James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> to be like the American CIA agent or, or FBI. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing her be funny. I really yeah. want to see more of funny Kristen Stewart. So I'm trying to think of a good, like, comedic franchise that she could jump into. Mm. Because the action was fun to watch as well. Like, yeah. it's nice to get to see her do something that's not so, like, brooding. Like, yes. You know, she's great at that. We all know this at this point. But she's very be funny. fun. Well, how about we throw franchises out the window and have her start something new? Yeah. yeah. She can. A comedy. I mean, she, she's got the star power. I know it didn't really pan out box office-wise, but, you know, people... People really like her. Yeah. And I think that if we started something new or, or maybe something with some sort of really attractive high concept where she's the headliner, yeah. I feel like that could be the pairing of things to maybe kick off a completely different type of series. Yeah, I think so. I, I like seeing some romance for Kristen, too, not the Bella version, um, because there was so much talk about, you know, whether or not this Charlie's Angels was the most queer Charlie's Angels yet. Yeah. And it's it's not really, but they kind of hint towards some things, and it would be nice to get to see someone who has said that, like, she was told in her career that she couldn't be who she was, yeah. get the opportunity to do that on screen and it be in a big, flashy franchise, and I think it would be really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we're, we're rooting for Kristen Stewart to pick up something super interesting. Next, before we say goodbye, where can everybody find your work on the internet briefly? I am all over the internet at my name, Emma Fife, wherever <laughs> Emma Fife's are sold, Instagram, Twitter, etc. <laughs> I also have a website. It's emmafife.com to just keep really on brand. Uh, you can catch me here every Thursday on Collider Jedi Council talking all yeah. things Star Wars and Angelique. that's that <laughs> and you can find me at Variety you can find me on Twitter at Angelique814 and Instagram at Ange814 it's fine we're gonna we're gonna merge them at some point but <laughs> yes you can find Aww. my work at Variety.com and follow us on all of those social media channels there all right, and you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at P. Nemirov during my Jumanji adventures, bungee jumping, yay, and movie. I'm really excited to see the movie as well. Um, John Rocco will be steering the ship the next couple of days. I will be back at this desk on Monday leading the show. Before we say goodbye, as always, big thanks to Adam in the booth and Thad in the live chat today. Guys, right from here, you need to go over to Collider Live. They kick off at 10 a.m. PT. Like and share this episode. Have a great rest of the week with Roka, and I will see you on Monday. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. 
There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org. 